This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. From Flint to Philadelphia, from Hollywell to Hollywood. Rob Ryan Red is a brand new Wrexham AFC fans podcast by Nathan Salt and Richard Fay. Now, maybe you're well-versed in Wrexham history, or maybe you're new here, so here's a few things to jog your memory. Here is Vose. Great dribble by Don Vose. And still, Vose, he gets past another. Oh, what a goal! Don Vose! One of the goals of the season. He has toyed with the defence there. And that is remarkable. The ball boys getting involved. Conor Jennings, the captain, Wrexham's top goal scorer. 13 for the season. 14! Wrexham lead! It's Wrexham 1! Chester now! It's McDonough for Wrexham! Still Jerry McDonough! It's Matt coming in! McDonough around the keeper! Wrexham! Wrexham! to the lead, ladies! If yesterday was a Black Friday, but today is a Red Saturday! Kroisor, hello. Welcome to a special edition of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast. I'm Rich Fay. I'm joined once again by Nathan Salt this week, but we're also joined by a special guest. As you can see by the title, we were very privileged and lucky to have an hour with Louis Malt. Now, myself and Nathan have been reviewing how we intro these podcasts, and we realise that some of you worldwide might not quite know Louis as well as myself and Nathan do. Our first away day together was away at Halifax Town. Louis Malt scored a brilliant header, and ever since, like many Wrexham fans, we've absolutely loved him. King Louis, as he's affectionately known within the Wrexham contingent. He spent one year at the club in our anniversary season under Kevin Wilkin, Yeah, the season where we lost to Stoke in the FA Cup after coming so close. We lost at Wembley to North Ferriby United. But on this podcast, we'll talk to Louis all about that season that he spent in North Wales, about his attachment to the club, what it means to him to still be loved by the Wrexham fans. And he even gives a little hint about whether or not he'd like to come back one day. Nath, it was really good to talk to him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, one of my kind of modern day Wrexham heroes. We've not had too many cult hero strikers in in the non-league era particularly you know people will talk about others from yesteryear and unfortunately was I was not lucky enough to to see those but to really sort of follow Wrexham and go home and away and, and really see Louis regularly I've always just followed his career since he left and you know he's gone on to 
to Motherwell and Preston and now he's at Burton Albion. And it was just great to pick his brains for an hour and, and, and reminisce about about the good times and the bad. You know, there, there was there was a mixed bag in that season, as many know. You know, the FA Cup away at Stoke was unbelievable. That ended in disappointment. And then obviously the that FA trophy final and and who can forget his interview which he which he touches on where you know, he was almost reduced to tears in the tunnel, and, and you were in that tunnel for that. Um, but it, but he was just an absolutely brilliant striker, brilliant player for us, and just a brilliant person. And it's you know now we're looking at this this current squad, and we've finally got some great strikers again. And I think it's testament to Louis that people said that this is the first time since Louis Malt. So it shows you that he wasn't here for very long, but his impact on the fan base was massive. Yeah, one year at the club, but still the benchmark all these years later. Louis Malt, about to speak to Rob Ryan Red. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham FC podcast. And as you probably heard in the intro, we have got a very special guest, one we've been keen to get on for a very long time now. And I'm pleased to say that we're delighted to welcome Louis Malt to the podcast. Louis, how are you doing? Uh, good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And Louis, you know, we're reminiscing now. It feels like the good times are coming back to Wrexham. And some of the last good times we had were the season when you were with us. And we had that trip to Wembley, which we will get onto at the end. But there was that positivity, the 150th anniversary of Wrexham. I've even got the uh, the home shirt beside me that, that commemorated that one. And for you, it was an interesting one as well. We just got Kevin Wilkin, your former Nuneaton manager, in at the club. Um, I'm guessing that... For you, it was quite a, an easy decision to join Wrexham that summer when your former boss had take it, taken the, the you know the job at, in North Wales. Did you have any other offers, or was it was it quite a simple decision to join Wrexham? Uh, it was pretty simple, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I remember the season at Nuneaton with Kev Wilkin, and we started really well. I think we were top of the league uh, for a period, uh, and then there was rumours about him getting the Wrexham job and. Straight away when the rumours were there, I was like, it's 40 minutes from my house, that. that's, that's a massive club. Uh, I, I bumped into a couple of fans, funny enough, when we played against Wrexham at Nuneaton. I think we won 2-1 and I think I scored 2 or 1. Uh, and I remember speaking to the lads on the train on the way home because I couldn't drive. And I remember saying to them, I'd love to play for you. Uh, as it was, it, it happened, you know, the season after. Uh so yeah, I was I was buzzing that uh, Kev Wilkin got the job, uh, and I was straight on the phone to him. Not going to lie. What was uh, you know, what was Kev like as a as an actual manager? You know, from the offset particularly. I mean, you know, obviously the circumstance which saw him leave at Wrexham were, were sad ones for us. But in terms of the recruitment, particularly that summer, and obviously you knew him longer than most of us did. What was he like as as a, as a man manager? I think that's what he was a man manager, and that's what he is. Uh, I, I think with with Kev Wilkin. Uh, everyone's got their opinion of him. Uh, the the thing with me and Kev Wilkin is when no no not many other managers believed in me. He was the one that believed in me and stuck his neck out. Uh, I was struggling at Northampton uh, and I wasn't really playing. He he come and watched me in the reserve game to them when he was manager in Nuneaton and took me on loan. And from then on, I played for him. And we survived relegation the first season I was there. And I played, I don't know, 27 games and scored one goal. And I was, I, I couldn't score. I was playing well. And any other manager there would probably take you out. He would drop you. But I just remember him believing in me. And he kept speaking to me, 
and saying, Louis, you're playing really well. It will come. Uh, I mean, I ended up scoring the, the, my goal on like this, I think it was a second to last game of the season. And he was so happy for me, where most managers would just, out you go, next man, here we go. But he just saw something in me. Uh, and then what happened was he ended up getting released from Northampton. And again, didn't have many options. Uh, I didn't have any options, actually, to tell the truth. Nuneaton offered me something because Kev Wilkie wanted me to be his player permanently. Uh, I took it because I knew he had faith in me and I wanted to repay that faith. And I believe I did that. I uh, went on to score, I think it was 18 goals for Nuneaton that season. And then that's uh, halfway through, that's when Kev Wilkie came to Wrexham and then I, I came with him almost. So, yeah, when you say about his, man, his management and stuff like that, it, you know, it, he believed in me and uh, I'll always be grateful for that. You got on the phone, you spoke to Kev, you know, you wanted to join him at Wrexham. Can you remember, and I say this with no disrespect to Nuneaton, can you remember sort of going to the stadium the first time and seeing the training facilities and, and as you know, you said Wrexham's a big club and we're obviously very biased, but it's amazing facilities and one of the best stadiums that unfortunately has been in non-league for, for far too long. Do you remember your kind of memories of, of seeing that packed out and, and, and going there? Yeah, I uh... I was just, I remember the whole summer. Uh, it actually took a bit to, uh, to happen. I can't remember the reasons behind it. Uh, I remember like being on a, I was on a, on a holiday with my, with my, I was stagged to, I think, golfing in uh, Dublin and remember that all my mates like saying, is it happening? Is it happening? And I was like texting and ringing Kev Wilkes saying, come on, I want it to happen. Because uh, I was desperate for it, really, really desperate for it. Uh, and I remember uh, turning up to, to training and seeing like Colonus Park, you know, the great facilities, you know, which no, like I say, no disrespect to Nuneaton. We, we didn't have a training ground, you know, it was a small ground, but then obviously going to, to the ground and seeing, you know, just the club shop straight away, like, and you've got the players' faces on the, on the window, that another big thing uh, for a footballer. Uh, and then obviously the ground, the, you know, the, the, the history behind the football club and then eventually getting to meet the, the fans. I remember, we were playing, oh, I can't remember where it was now. It was pre-season, we were playing away somewhere. And uh, I just remember loads of fans turning up. I was like, whoa, what's this about? This, this, this is crazy. So the, I, I just I knew straight away I joined a massive football club. I knew before because I'm from Stoke and it's not too far away. Uh, but when you're in it and you're living it, it's just like times 10. It was, it was amazing. I loved every minute of it. And when Wilkin recruited you, obviously, like you said, you've you've got this really good sort of working relationship with him and he knows what he can get from you. Did he sell it to you as, as you're coming to Wrexham to be the number nine, which you obviously wore on your shirt, and, and to be the main striking force? Or, or were you, you up for the challenge and knowing that it was going to be really difficult to, to make that extra step up again? Yeah, he never said I was going to play. He didn't guarantee me that, that's for sure. Uh, he said, you know, I'll give you a fair chance and it's up to you then. Uh I knew he believed in me from previous, but I knew he also had good players at Wrexham also. Uh, you know, we signed Connor Jennings, who was a great striker and is a great striker. Bish was playing up front. We got Wes York we brought in, who I knew. So all fantastic players. Uh, and we were building a fantastic squad. Uh, so I knew my work was cut out. And I think that made us better as a team that season. Uh, we had ups and downs for sure, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But uh, thought when we, when we hit it off in that season, we were a really, real good side. Ali Doral coming into there as well. I remember we bought in. And so, yeah, he didn't really say, 
Louis, you're going to play, you're going to be my number nine, let's, let's go. Like, he said, like, here's your opportunity, it's up to you now. Uh, like to think I took that opportunity. Uh, but it, was, it wasn't easy, you know, there was times when he wouldn't play me and I wouldn't agree with him. And I'd say to him, and I still say to him now when I speak to him, I said, you shouldn't have dropped me. I don't know what you were doing not playing me. That's just who I am. Uh, but, you know, we had, we had our ups and downs, like I say, but... Uh, I, I, like I said before, he, he didn't guarantee me that I was going to play. He didn't sell it like that. He just gave me the platform. Uh, and I had, ultimately, I had to work tremendously hard to, to get that number nine shirt. You said about Wes there. Was, you know, you were talking to Kev Wilkin to get the deal. Was there kind of back and forth between you and Wes in terms of, you know, are we both going to go here now? Or <laughs> any chance you can put in a word to get me to come with you? I can't really remember which one. Wes was it, first. Both got yeah, Wes was first. No, that was it. Well... I remember I was Nuneaton, obviously, last three, four months of my contract. Uh, and there was a bit of to and fro, and Nuneaton uh, didn't actually offer me a new deal, uh, which eventually worked in Wrexham's favour massively. So it went down to the very last day of the, the season until they offered me something, uh, Nuneaton. I think that was fair, fair, fair enough for them. That was due to financial uh, situation where the football club was at the time. Uh, and I remember Wes signing for Wrexham actually pretty pretty quick. I think he was. I think he might have been Kev Wilkins' first signing or one off. Uh, and I remember messaging him actually. I've probably still got the message on my phone saying, uh, "Great move, buzzing for you. Any chance?" I, <laughs> I was like, "Come on, Wes, I'm all heard." Uh, I think I might have said something like, "Hopefully see you soon." Uh, but then nothing was really said then. And like I say, then after that was probably a week or two week gap then. It was dragging on. And I was thinking, come on, come on, let, let make it happen. Uh, and then eventually it happened. What, what was he like to play with, Wes? Because, you know, we saw him as this kind of, you know, I mean, he would admit himself, I think at times he was quite frustrating because he, he had blistering pace that was among the, the best in the division. And, 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 you know, we're not the most forgiving fan base when it comes to the final third. We, we want, you know, kind of, the perfect final ball, which is just not always going to be the case at the fifth division. But what was he like as a, as a kind of person? Because we haven't had him on the podcast, so you know him better than better than we do and a lot of the fans do. Yeah, where's some character? I think all the the lads at uh, at Wrexham didn't know what they were didn't know what to expect really. And then uh, I remember we went to Langollen. They had a festival on in pre season. Uh, it was like a all different festival stuff going on and like uh well, I think there was dancing and stuff like that and uh me and Wes were like one of the like the newest players almost and uh I remember that like they were putting like they were in a big circle and there's loads of people watching and someone said any volunteer to come and do this dance Wes jumped straight in the middle and started dancing and all the lads were in hysterics <laughs> like laughing their heads off uh and that's Wes that was Wes he's just uh such a, a happy go lucky guy uh when you say about the football side of Wes, uh, he could, you know, he'd take five players on, score, and then the next, you know, he, he just, I don't know, that final pass wasn't quite there sometimes, but uh, he, he was a grafter. He was he was a great one to play with because uh, he'd always give you 100%. Uh, and not only that, like, he, he could make something happen out of nothing. So, uh, you know, I felt there was a there was a spell where he was playing off the left, I think, uh, he was playing off the left and Connor Jennings off the right. And I yeah, think I was yeah. down the middle. And uh, I remember we played that for a, for a couple of games and it just seemed to work. 
he was coming in off the left, you know, scoring a few good goals. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was a good lad, Wes. Yeah, that strike force, Jennings, Moulton, York, that is just, even now that would be like the best in the, in the division. That's crazy that, you know, it didn't, didn't get us up. But I think that you and Wes particularly, you're under that sort of unfair scrutiny because you've been brought from the manager's former club and fans sometimes maybe roll their eyes thinking, you know, is he just going for the players he knows rather than maybe looking further afield? Did you see that move to Wrexham as, as maybe a, a make or break move in your career? Because obviously, like you said, you've been at Stoke as a youngster. You had those loans in the Football League. You'd been at Northampton. Then you go to Nuneaton. Did you feel like Wrexham was that next stepping stone, which, you know, if that goes well, you can go on to better things as you did. But if it went wrong, maybe it could have been a very different story. Yeah, uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think when it was actually happening, I'm out now I'm living it. Uh, didn't think to think of it in that much detail, but I, I think I remember thinking in the back of my head, if I score as many goals as I did for Nuneaton, then I'm getting a move or we're getting promoted. And that, that was what was in my head. Uh, <laughs> it went on that I scored more. Uh, and we didn't get promoted, unfortunately, which I was absolutely devastated about. But I got my move. Uh, and we'll come on to that a little bit later because uh, it was a, a weird situation. And I'm sure you guys will be intrigued about it. But, uh, but yeah, it was... Uh, I just knew I had to score goals. And I was uh, yeah. so hungry to score them goals for Wrexham. Uh, first of all, the, the love and the affection I was receiving on social media and walking down the street and at the ground, it just spurred me on to repay the gaffer and then the fans and all the football club. It, it, it just, it was, it was, it was incredible. The, the faith they showed in me, because like you say, I signed from Nuneaton, not like say no disrespect to them, but you know, a few, you know, a few uh, raised eyebrows, maybe that they wanted to sign someone from the league above or, one of the better teams in that league, but straight away they kind of showed their they were they were happy with the signing, and that's that meant something to me. That did, yeah. And as one of the sort of quirks of, of football often goes, your first competitive goal against Nuneaton, you get the winner, the one nil. That's your first goal for the club. What is it like getting that first one? Does that is that really does sort of ease the pressure on you a bit and give you that confidence that you can do it at this at this new surroundings? Yeah, massively. I remember the first game of the season was Dartford away. Yeah. Wes scored two, actually. Uh, I think I set him up for one. And I remember buzzing because we won. I think it was 3-2 or 3-1. Yeah, 2-1, uh, I think it was. Was it 2-1? Wes scored both. Yeah. I remember like being buzzing, but then gutted that I didn't score. I was absolutely gutted. Uh, but like I think we might have had another game and then Nuneaton. So I scored in the, the first home game, I think it might have been. Yeah, we, we, we lost to Gateshead 3-0. Yeah. And then we had Nuneaton. Yeah, and that and was then, like... Obviously, I, I, I get to my old club and, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I was uh, a bit nervous that I wasn't going to play. I was thinking, you know, the gaffer could, could drop me here. I've not scored in my first two games. Yeah, we won the first, but then we lost 3-0. Uh, Gates said at that, in that season, we're a good side, to, a difficult yeah. side to play against. Uh, and then thankfully, he played me. And uh, I remember the goal, you know, the, the side put dipping volley kind of... Uh, one of my favourite goals for Rex actually. Uh, yeah, just I was absolutely delighted with that, and I, I just felt in front of the home fans that got that set me up for the season really. I just love that kit from that season. I know Rich mentioned it, but that yeah, kind of yeah. like Dennis. The, I mean, because you don't get that very. We've got I mean, the typical it's red always and white. on hand. 
Yeah, the I mean, about that you know, as well. I mean, the rail, yeah. questionable. Sorry, Lily, we would have gone we, for we, you. But. Yeah, <laughs> we've spoken about we've spoken about Elliot quite a bit in 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 recent pods and how that's unwound for him. But people in that dressing room, you come in, Louis, you, you know Wes, and and you know you from the people we spoke to, very likable guy, and you got on in that dressing room. But there were also some quite brash personalities, if I put it if put it one way, especially some of the scouts lads who, you know, have been very vocal and that kind of young players and experienced players. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like early on in the dressing room? You know, kind of people trying to, you know, there's some hangover from that 98 point season we'd had a few years before, some players still there. Was there kind of any animosity or did that only sort of creep in sort of towards the end of the season? Um, the, thing, the one thing I noticed straight away, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking, what was I, 22 Hmm. Yeah, so I'm fairly young in this squad, hmm. 22. Uh, and you've got, you know, you've got Keatsy, you've got Ashy, you've got Bish, you've got Cara, you know, really experienced footballers that have, that have done very well in the game. And the one thing I noticed straight away was their, their willingness to win and their competitiveness. They were so competitive. And I think that's why they were, they were at that football club, you know, along with their ability. But... Uh, I remember just, you know, there's a small side of game, for example, and they're young, the old, and they were so passionate to beat the young lads. And, you know, it was, it was an eye-opener for me. It was an eye-opener for me. And I remember thinking, we better get a game on here, these young lads. Uh, so th- that, that bit of it was, I would say daunting, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved being in and around the lads. And, and I think on a Saturday, that helped us massively, you know, to... You know their experience and their know-how to win games uh, pull through massively. Uh, I remember the game against Torquay away. Actually, uh, I think Keatsy might have scored or he might have set me up to score. I think I scored a header. Yeah, uh, that was on the build-up for the Wembley. Of course, it was. Mm. Uh, and I remember thinking, like, he, he's just won us that game with his know-how and his game management. Yeah, I put the ball in the back of that, but. I, I understood that him, uh, Ashy, Bish, I, I understood that their know-how and their their knowledge was, was getting us through these games. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it was the younger lads' legs and uh, goals that were, were, were winning the games, but they were helping us so much. Uh, uh, at first, I thought they don't like me. I must admit that. You know, I thought uh, they might not have liked me. I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought... With, with me, with with the gaffer bringing me in, they almost thought I was mates with him. And, you know, like me and Wes were like, I don't know, his best pals and we like the golden boys, if, if you want to say so. Uh, but that definitely wasn't the case from, from my perspective anyway. Like I said to you earlier on, uh, he never guaranteed me that I was going to play. I had to work for that. Uh, but I, I just thought sometimes some of the lads that were already there, you know, they thought that I was I was the gaffer's boy almost. Where, like I say, well, it, it wasn't wasn't the case. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, really. Quick interruption for this podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, then do go back listen to our back catalogue. If you want to hear from Lou Maltz replacement in that first Gary Mills era, Jordan White, you can learn about why a freak injury cost him his chance at Wrexham. Or go back a bit further, go back to the 98-point season, the likes of Curtis Obbing, Adrian Chislovich, who was our first guest on the Rob Ryan Red podcast. Do go back and listen to those. Right, back to the episode. 
Yeah, think I about mean, dressing room custodians. Sorry, Rich, you're talking about those. You know, one thing I always asked, I always ask Rich when you know he covers kind of that Manchester United beat, and I, and I look around at players at all levels. Friend of mine, a Preston fan. Do you remember initiation at Wrexham? Did you have to do any kind of because uh, you know young players? Was there any kind of was there a massive fine system with these older guys, or was there you know initiation? Do you remember anything like that, or, or team bonding? Did you do anything? You know what? I, I actually don't think there was any initiation. No, got away with it. There must have been. Wes must have done it himself in Clangochlan, mustn't he? Yeah, yeah. Quite took care of it. He obviously did. Uh, but I, I actually can't remember. Do we want for Wrexham? I mean, no. I've done one everywhere else. Uh, yeah, yeah. I must have. I must have. Because we were. Did you, did, that do you have a go-to thing. song? Do you have a go-to song or anything like that that you have to do? Usually it's singing, isn't it? You must yeah, have. You've got the smoke on yeah. your face. I've, I've done Angels a few times. That's oh, right, right. Classic. There you go. A classic. If anyone know the, the words yeah. more. <laughs> But yeah, we, I must have because we were off and away first game of the season in a hotel, so we must have done. Uh, it's just slipped my memory. Hmm. I, I don't think I don't think uh, Ashy and Keatsy and whatever would have let me get away with that. No, not not a yeah, chance, not a chance. Did you get much team bonding then out, out of that group? Because it was a kind of, like you say, it was kind of a, a, a an old and young group. But was there much chance to unwind off the pitch? I'm always fascinated following Wrexham that uh, I never really know if if there's kind of cliques or if it, how it works. Yeah. Uh, I remember people when I first joined. There was this big talk about uh, the the segregation, like the young and the old, and mm-hmm. the not mixing. And there's 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 a what do I think of the word now? There's like groups, basically. Yeah, yeah, little clicks. There's clicks, yeah. and uh, I, I wasn't buying into it. I'll be honest with you. I, I thought the older boys and the younger boys were talking, and everyone was absolutely fine. I. I wasn't buying into that. Uh, I know for me, I, I, you know, if it, for example, if it was dinner at, at, at the training ground, I'd go and sit with any of the lads. I wouldn't go and go to my go-to whoever it is. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I think they were all like that. I think, you know, if I, in terms of team bonding, I think we did, we did Cheltenham one that season, and uh, that, yeah. that was a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah, that, that I can't remember many others other than that. I, I must be honest. Mm. Uh, but I remember going there, and all the lads were brilliant together. Uh, I think what helped was Keatsy being the you know probably I think well, yeah I'm going to say he was the oldest. He probably was the oldest, mm. wasn't he? But Keatsy was the oldest, and he kind of he kind of managed it like behind like when when the gaffer wasn't there, and the gaffer didn't need to manage all this. Keatsy was almost already a manager because he was he was he was managing the young lads, he was managing the old lads because the old lads still look up to him still. So I mean I had a great relationship and still do have with Keatsy. And he's a very knowledgeable guy. And like I say, he he would he manage us throughout day to day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it, I think that helped the manager at the time. Yeah, the sort of dressing room leader that, that yeah, yeah. can can do that sort of stuff you mentioned there and earlier you mentioned your own relationship with Wilkin that although maybe some of us would be cynical and say that maybe you were like sort of teacher's pet that it was kind of tough love and he wasn't always giving you the opportunities you want and we you know we asked some fans for their own questions as well and one that's coming up is there's always this sort of belief that you didn't necessarily get the, the fair chance in big games and that maybe sometimes you weren't given those opportunities sometimes maybe you were put out onto the one of the wider roles and not played through the middle were they was it frustrating that, that maybe you didn't always have that full backing yeah, massively, and I've told him that since. Uh, I remember, and, and and I think this is why he did it, and he's never said this, by the way. I think he thought 
what we've just said that he thought the lads and the fans thought I was teacher pet, so he needs to prove a point. So I'll put him on the bench. I yeah. felt that's what he was doing. And I and it was the most frustrating thing ever because I mean, no disrespect to Wes. He was playing Wes up front. Yeah. Uh, with with Bish, I think it was. And that's when I was on the bench. I think I can't remember what month it was, but I think I was on the bench at least five, no, ten times. Yeah, I think it was sort of December time that was or so. Yeah, you seem to be on, on the bench. And, and no, like I say, no, no disrespect to Wes, but I personally I don't think Wes is a centre forward. And I, I've told Wes that before anyway. He's a winger, simple as. Uh, and and I was getting frustrated at that because I was sitting on the bench, we were struggling, and I was like, play me up front with Bish and I'll score goals. Do you, do you know what I mean? And and I remember saying to him and knocking on his office all the time, just play me, play me. I might not do a great deal in the game, but I'll score. At some point, I'll score. Uh, and then I think, uh, I can't remember what, I think it might. There was a couple of games he left me on the bench and I came on for the last 15 and, and I just kept scoring, basically. Every time he put me on, I scored. Uh, and then I basically forced me way back into the team. Uh, but like I said, I think that was just because he thought that people thought I was his, uh, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he um, wasn't. He wasn't really open and transparent at the time when you went to his office in terms of, look, I need to prove up. You know, because sometimes you do get that a manager will just tell you straight, straight up that I need to win the dressing room back over. Or no, it, still, he, he didn't say anything like that. No, because he never said anything like that. He might not had nothing to do with that. He might have just yeah, think, might have been. He, he probably just thought I was in bad form, which is yeah. you know his opinion at that time. Uh, I, I actually can't remember what form I was in, I'll be honest with you. Mm. Uh, but that, that's probably what it was. He probably just thought he wants to go with something different because Louis's not quite doing it. And he, he might have thought he needs, he needs a little break. It's, you know, it's, it's a long season. Mm. Uh, so he might have thought, I'll give him a break in December and we'll play him second half season and finish strong. Uh, what, what, was, what was Bish like as a kind of, you know, an older player, again, quite divisive among you know what Wrexham fans particularly with strikers I mean you've actually become the benchmark before this season of you know where can we find the next Louis Moulton before that it was you know Juan Ugarte and these other ones and we've actually not seemed to have been able to unlock we're talking before we came on about Dan Holman who's a teammate of yours is now at Torquay and you know we never quite got the best out of all these strikers you were one of the ones who really did kick on and do well what was Bish like in terms of in and around the place to play with what was he kind of like? Uh, I, I like I, I like playing with Bish. He was clever, uh, and it, it, for me, I, I like linking up and one twos, as you know from watching me. And and uh, I, I feel like Bish was on the same wavelength for, as, as me. We didn't actually play up front that much together, though. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but I think I think Bish was getting a little bit frustrated that. I was playing in front of him and he'd had such a fantastic career uh, and, and he'd done well for Wrexham previously. Uh, and and I, I felt that he felt he should be playing in front, front of me, which, fair enough, you know, vice versa. I'd be thinking the exact same thing. So I had no grudges about that. But I just felt when we, when we played together, we were effective. I just don't think it happened enough uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't see that. One thing, Lou, that maybe you've got unique to some of the guests we've we've had on the podcast previously is you've got a real good experience of football elsewhere as well. And one of the sort of earlier memories you will have had in your Wrexham game, I think it was my 10th, 11th game of the season, was Chester away. 
don't want to talk about the result, we lost. But what was the derby actually like being involved? Where did it rank against the other derbies you've been been in? Massive, I'll be honest. I, I went into it a little bit unknown. I remember uh, like the build-up to it the week before. Uh, and someone coming, I think it might have been even the police, come and spoke to us like the day before the game. Uh, yeah, it was. And I was like, what's this about? It was like... Uh, yeah, they've got to give you a chat uh, because, you know, where you get on the coach and where you get off the coach and your families and all this. I was like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, well, what's this about? Like, just let us play the game. We'll, we'll go there and win. Well, we didn't. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was crazy. And I thought the atmosphere was was unreal, was unreal. And we got our own back on them, didn't we, when uh, we beat him at the, at the race course. So, that was a that was a good day. Just gutted I didn't score. That again, that's one of my yeah. That still plays on my mind to this day that I didn't score, uh, and I'd, I'd love to be able to rectify that. Did your yeah. family go to, to to that game? Did you did you feel because I think we had Adriano Moke on and he was talking about Robbie Evans and others and saying that you know he didn't really know what to expect. Again, kind of went in not expecting that much, and and it's. It's really intense. I know we say that about a lot of derby games, but it really is very bitter and it, it's not one for the faint-hearted. So did, you, did your family go to that or did they sort of stay I away? Think, I don't think they went the one at Chester. No, no. I think they might have gone the one at Wrexham. I can't, mm. I can't remember that no, one. No, no. I think, I think my wife was there then uh, with yeah. Lennon, uh, but not the one at, uh, at Chester. I remember that one. Was on, that was on BT, wasn't it? Because yeah, we were, yeah. We were yeah. Look, I We've got a rubbish record on TV as well. I mean, we say this yeah. to all, but we well, just seem to be rubbish on the telly. It sort of brings on to the next point quite nicely because as Wrexham fans, we feel that whenever on TV or whenever we have a big full out, we always lose. And whether we like it or not, it does bring us on to that anniversary game against Grimsby, oh, which, you know... I knew you were going to mention that. We have to do it at some point. Maybe we'll get we'll get to the good stuff later. But, you know, that what was the build-up back to that game? Because that really was just a special occasion. Obviously, the match didn't live up to it, but what was the actual build-up to that like? And how did it feel to be involved with the club at a time where they were celebrating such a historic moment? I think, looking back, it probably got on top of me, if that makes sense. That was probably my first, other than making my debut for for Stoke uh, when I was younger and being in and around the first team then, this was my first, you're the main guy, you're going to play, there's going to be eight and a half thousand, whatever there was there. I felt the responsibility on my shoulders and I was probably too riled up and that's probably, yeah. and that's probably why I got sent off. Uh, so this day, I don't think it was a sending off. Yeah, still, never read. Still, still bitter about it. But I just feel like, I, I, when I play my, at my best, I play on the edge anyway. But I, I could control it. I maybe just lost the control for that split second because of the occasion and uh, how important it was for Wrexham. And I remember just, I was I was not in a good place after. I remember, think, you know, I've let everyone down. I've let the football club down this massive day, 150 years. Everything was going on. I was just, yeah, it took me, it, it took me a, a good couple of days to get my head around that. Uh, but again... I remember, you know, the, the fans on social media and when I spoke to them, they were just so supportive and and that helped me massively to, to turn it around almost. Yeah, I think it also maybe speaks great to you, Lou, as well, that when you ask a Wrexham fan to name a memory of yours at the club, 
only only probably you remember that as as one of them as a negative anyway attached to it. And do you think that last one on this question? Do you think that the sort of event of it and the you know the build up did sort of distract you from and as a squad as as what the the sort of main ambition was and maybe was a bit of a needless distraction the way that got maybe got out of hand too much for you to deal with. Uh... Potentially, as players, yeah, potentially. Uh, I think when stuff, and I've only learned this because I've gone on to play in, in, in big games after, you, I've learned to, you don't have to think about any of that because that takes care of it. The performance will take care of that when you're on the, on the day almost, where I feel like maybe then I was a bit naive. There was a few other lads that were probably a bit, bit naive that let, let it get to them. And felt like they had to do that little bit extra to because it was that occasion, almost like simplify it. The winger at field felt like he had to beat his, his fullback twice because it was that day. Do you know mm. what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I think because I've gone on to play it, you know, in front of bigger crowds and, and and massive games, I think you almost learn just play your normal game, and that will be enough. We're talking about big games and. I suppose for you in your time at Wrexham, they don't come much bigger than FA Cup away at Stoke, and and yeah. then you're not you're not in you're not in the starting lineup, and you come on in the 90th minute. Now the game was the game was done. Then they, you know they Stoke had chucked on their big stars, and I think Arnautovic scored and Stephen Ireland or someone, like, yeah. yeah, someone. But but you know for you personally and what that would have meant. Is that one of the biggest frustrations you've got in terms of that you didn't, you know, I think he went with Wes and Connor Wes hit maybe. The bar, just... I think, didn't he? Yeah, and, and, and again, and again, and again, I'm not saying anything um against Wes or Connor, you know, two brilliant players for us, really, in the non-league era. But you know, what what was the situation there? You didn't really involve at yeah. all. Yeah, I was again uh I've let Kev know about that. Uh, I said to him, I've I've got a lot of time for you and got a, got a lot of respect for you, but like I was gutted you never played me at Stoke. You know, I've, I've told him that. I have told him that. But in his defence, you know, we we took him right to the way, didn't we, until the last 15 minutes. Uh, but I, it was one of, you know what? We played Southport a week before on a Tuesday night, I think it was, or it might even be the Saturday before. And I played in that game and I twisted my ankle and it was quite a bad uh, twist and it swelled up. And uh, so I was I was almost touch and go up until the Stoke game. Uh, I managed to train, I think, to the Thursday and the Friday before the Saturday game. So whether that was in the gaffer's head, uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I just wished he'd put me on for longer. Or I feel like, well, I know I would have. I'd have strapped it up and I, I would have played. Do you know what I mean? If I was selected, yeah. Uh, what a day that what a day that was. Though. I mean that that moment when I'm delighted for Carrington because he's one yeah. of the nicest blokes that that yeah. we've had in. He's such a good servant. What was it? Must have been agonising for you. I know with your ankle and what you said, but watching it from the bench and that that moment with the the away end was completely packed. And I know there was a few of us in the home end as well that, that couldn't get in. And I was sat on my hands for that one. Yeah. What what was it like in terms of? we took Stoke so close, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I ended up having a debate on the radio. I don't think I ever told you this, Rich, with Ian Wright on the radio on the call-in. And he was saying, you know, in a way he was sort of saying like little old Wrexham, like, you know, you've had a great day out kind of thing. And I was like, that's absolute nonsense. Like we, 
do you mean let alone Wrexham won. and Stoke? Yeah, it's, I mean, with all due respect to Stoke, we had it. We we had we came so close, and I think Kev knows as well. We were right was, there. Yeah, I'll be honest. The performance and the way we played, I think, shocked everyone. Like we were brilliant that day, absolutely brilliant. So when we started like that, and we, I think we won nil apart half time, or just after half time, we go one off. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting there and going, Gaffer's right. I, I, a great decision not to play me. We're one nil up. Do you know what I mean? I'm devastated. I'm not part of it, and the the atmosphere. I'm devastated, but. And then, like as the time goes on, we're one up. I'm like, right, put me on then. Twenty minutes. I'll take twenty minutes. I'll get. I'll get a goal. Like I'm, I'm firmly sitting there thinking, I will score. I will come on and I will score. Give me ten or more and I'll score. And it just, it just didn't happen. Uh, and then, like you say, they took their Crouchy comes on. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crouchy. Yeah. They took a few others on, and you know, the, in the end, it was quite comfortable for them. Uh, when, when you're on the, would you celebrate it? Sorry, go on. Uh, it's a tough one, that, you know. And you know what? The, the, the weirdest thing, and, and it's, it's an ongoing uh, conversation with, uh, with my family because they're all Stoke fans. Every time I've gone to play against Stoke, I've got injured. And that's no... Yeah. Like, I, I was at Preston. I got injured in a warm-up, so I wasn't allowed on the bench. Like, it's, it's weird. I've only ever come mm. on against them. One for Wrexham and one for Preston. And one at Preston was five minutes again. Honestly, it's strange. Real, real strange. I'd love to play there. But yeah. uh, what I'd do for score, I really don't. <laughs> when, when you're on the bench, Louis, I'm always fascinated because at the race course, you, you often don't see much. But are you kind of in the ear of a Gary Mills or, or a Carl Darlington to sort of say, you know, chuck me on here? Or, or is, it, is it kind of you just have to sort of... And again, do you, can you decide to go warm up or do you have to get told to... These are all things that I'm always fascinated. I know they're a bit random, but I mean, yeah, um, stuff that I'm always interested to know as a fan. To my knowledge, I don't think a player would ever whisper in the gaffer's ear. No, nah, no. Nah. I think you get battered from the lads. <laughs> uh, I think with warm-ups, the gaffer either tells you to go and get warm and then he's, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously a good sign that he's thinking of you if he's trying to warm up. Or there's been many times where I've just stayed out there thinking he'll look over in a minute, he'll see that I'm getting ready. You know, just thinking, just, just put me on. Uh, so yeah, that it can happen in which which way really. Well, Carl but, Darlington though was a, was quite a key. He's been at the club for a long time. What was what did he bring to the setup there? Because we know that Kevin had Gary Mills as number two, but Carl sort of came in from FA FA Wales and and, and had a different approach and and really divides the fan base still in terms of the football he was trying to play. What was the kind of relationship like with him between him and the players, and, and what was he like? First of all, I thought Darlow was brilliant. I had a great relationship with Darlow. Uh, still speak to him. Uh, his ideas were very uh, different to what... to what uh, I would say different, but the gaffer... Kev Wilkin was more of a, a manager's manager, if that makes sense. Uh, he wasn't... Uh, and he'll admit this, he wasn't someone that's going to coach the life out of you. He was going to motivate you and he'd put you in your, in his man management, he'd rely on his man management, basically. And he was very, very good at that and is very good at that. He'd make you feel the best player. And that's what he did for me. And he almost needed 
a Carl Darlington to put mm. the sessions on, to tell us how we're playing, to, to tell us how we're pressing, to, to tell us how we're overlapping and getting the balls in the box. And I think that's what Kev Wilkie wanted from day one of joining Wrexham. Uh, yeah. So when, when Darlow came in and started to do these sessions, I could almost like, ah, oh, I see what you're trying now. Do, do, do you know? Do, and I, like, I, I, can't, I liked it. You know, we were playing, when it worked, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Uh, but obviously it didn't work as, as, as often as we wanted it to. Uh, but I think Darlow was well, well respected within the lads. Very well respected. Quick interruption for this podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, then do go back, listen to our back catalogue. If you want to hear from Louis Maltz's replacement in that first Gary Mills era, Jordan White, you can learn about why a freak injury cost him his chance at Wrexham. Or go back a bit further, go back to the 98-point season, the likes of Curtis Obeng, Adrian Chislovich, who was our first guest on the Rob Ryan Red podcast. Do go back and listen to those. Right, back to the episode. I think the gaffer was trying to get somebody in that he could trust, basically. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened in terms of background stuff. Uh, I don't know what happened behind the doors. But like I say, I, I, I think Gary Mills now, so Gary Mills then would probably be a totally different coach. And, you know, it, it was almost uh, unfair on him. Yeah. You, you, you kind of... Kevin was on, on a different pod recently talking about, you know, he, he wanted an experienced number two in and, and your time at Motherwell, Preston and, and elsewhere. Could you see now that what, you know, the value of having an experienced number two, just someone who been there, done it and just, you know, again, no disrespect to Gary Mills, but he was, he was given a job that it was probably way too soon for him to yeah. get that job. And, and with that group of players. Yeah. And I think that was, that was a big problem, I thought, to be honest. I thought there was there was players, Keatsy, uh, probably Ashi, uh, Bish, Kara, uh, who probably felt that, why should I listen to him? And I, I kind of got it to a degree. I did get it to a degree. And me and Mills, he had a few spats from time to time. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I, I, you know, I thought he was, he was a good guy. Uh, but I think, like what you're saying there with Kev Wilkin, I think for me coming into the football club, I, I thought the ideal situation was Keatsy being the assistant manager or playing assistant manager. Mm. I thought that would have worked hand in hand uh, because he's still got, he's got the rapport with the players that are already there. Uh, he's been there, done that. Uh, I thought that would have worked. Whether Keatsy was ready for that, you know, in terms of, not playing as much anymore as you know as question for him. But I thought that would have worked and it would have would have helped. It would have had probably helped to prepare Keatsy for the manager's job later on down the line. You mentioned when we look back to that season as well that you were aware of is the, the the league form, you know, it fluctuated, it was a bit turbulent at times. You can't always get those results. And I know momentum is a is a big thing in football, but we did have that, you know, that saving grace of the FA Trophy run, which really did sort of spark fresh life and give the 150th anniversary season again a bit more momentum and life. Did you ever sort of set out as a team to say we want to go far in the FA Trophy, or was that just sort of a byproduct of, of you know, winning games? You slowly get further and further and think we've got a real chance of getting to Wembley now. No, I remember us uh, setting out at the start of the season that we wanted a cup run. Uh, that was made well aware to us 
uh, I think we were doing the games of blocks, like mm. you do. I'm sure we did. I think it was Kev, uh, might have been Darlow as well, who came up with it, where we'd, we'd, we'd get each month and then say, like, there's five games in this month. Uh, and we try, we put the maximum points we could get and basically break it down month to month. Uh, but I, I do remember us saying we, we wanted a cut run and the board wanted a cut run for obviously financial reasons as well, uh, which was massive for the football club. So, yeah, we, uh, I, I think you've hit it on the head there. I think if you, if you look back at the season, it was just very inconsistent. It was mm. so inconsistent. We, we just couldn't get the run going. And I feel if we would have, we would have gone on strength to strength. Yeah, I remember when I was working for the media team, the first game I commented on was losing 4-0 at home to Telford. And that was just like the the worst moment for me of that season, no matter how, how bad it got at times. But so the cup run goes on, like you said, it goes well. And, you know, particularly those two semi-finals against Torquay and the good Torquay side as well. And like you yeah. said, you get the, the goal down at Playmore as well. What was the what the atmosphere like when you get to those semi-final matches? Yeah, the... Uh, I remember the, f- the first one. What was the f- score in the first one? One, I think Joe Clark scored the only goal, maybe. It's yeah. like a nice evening match, I think. And yeah, that's what I remember. Half, yeah, half remember that one. And then uh, we went to Torquay. Uh, did we score quite early? Sure. I think so. I can't, I'll look it up now as we speak. Well, yeah, I, I was, was going to say before, before you, you know, you, while you look up Torquay, Rich, amazingly, we got to the final, but we we really rode our luck on the entire run because we had about two or three replays. Yeah, we had the I mean? Halifax we, away, I remember. We played Southport in the first scores. round. We played Southport in the first round and we had a replay there. I think we drew 1-1 one, one at, at Southport. That's where I would have done my ankle then. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Southport. And then I'm looking now, second round, we end up... Halifax with Stockport. Stockport 2-2. Two, two. Louis, Louis scored an overhead kick at Edgley and Park. Then, and then, yeah, and then then we end up beating them 6-1 five, five, or something. Or something yeah. Five or six yeah. at... Yeah, yeah, know. that's right. Yeah, yeah, we uh, stopped port to each, scored the overhead because I came that's on. That. I was yeah, on the yeah. Uh, that was probably around the time he was not playing me, and I was like, "Come on!" And then uh, I think that actually sparked me to carry on playing after that because I think I played in the second leg against Stockport. Me yeah. and Bish played up front together, mm-hmm. and we linked up really well. And I think I scored two in that game. Yeah, we hammered them then. Yeah, Stockport away, Rich. Stockport away, I think. That might have been the one where they were trying to get Blaine Hudson to play the offside trap. Yeah, and, you know, as much as, as much as he's an absolute man, like a giant of a man, I, I didn't want... And I was having nightmares. I was having PTSD watching the highlights back of Blaine Hudson trying to play offside against Stockport. I can't remember who they had up front. but <laughs> So we get through that. We beat them 6-1. Then we play Gateshead in the next round and we end up beating them on pens. It kind of all blows into one, but we ended up beating them five three. Was that a replay end. as well? Replay as well. So we, when did we do the? Yeah, we, we 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 won the second leg at their place, I think. At their place on on pens, yeah. We drew two yeah. two and then won on pens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, yeah. And they were a nightmare of a team. They were that nightmare of a team. I hated, Mill, they... hated going to there. Hated the athletics track around the outside yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. It's a nightmare to go up there. And they, like you said it early on, they were a real. Slick teams, yeah. So we got John Oster, like centre defensive midfield, just pulling all the strings. Really well drilled. Played really nice football as well for non-league. Yeah. And then, then you're right, Rich. Then we go to Halifax, and that was where we first started. We met up for the first time, and then go in the Shea. Which was that the the headed goal? That's the one. Yeah, one nil. We won there. Ah, right. Yeah. Um, I think that was a league game. 
Oh, the league two game. all in the league, right. and then Neil Ashton scored at Halifax away. Right, oh, right. right, okay. So then, so then, yeah, then you get to Torquay, and we, we score early down there. Yeah, and then, and then obviously put two or three past them in the oh, end. Oh, that's a, uh, was it. Morris scored early. Kieran Morris, yeah, great player. I, I, I think I set Kieran up twice, and then I scored the third, possibly. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant player, brilliant player, the Kieran Morris. I yeah, know he only had it for a yeah. short time, but but real class. Yeah. I mean, when you play with it, you must have seen that he just had that kind of next level to him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he did. You could tell he's from, from the league, you know, a couple of leagues above. Uh, I think I think if you look at the recruitment side of what Kev Wilkie brought in, you'd say that about quite a lot of them. Yeah, uh, superb. And that's, and that's what I'm going back to. Like, that's what he was. He was a, a man manager and he could spot a talent. Yeah. And that you know, and that's what he, he 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 would tell you that, and that's why I think he was saying he needed a coach and assistant, and then he would put it all together. Do you know? Do you know? What yeah. Yeah. One of the players he brought in, who we never really spoke about on the podcast, but Manny Smith, he seemed to get mile of match every single week. What was he like? You know, having him around, he seemed such a cool, he was just laid back character. Voice. He was just uh, first of all, what a lovely guy, really, really gentle, giant, lovely person. Uh, I actually knew Manny because I played against him a few times before. I didn't know him to speak to, but I played against him. Yeah. Uh, and I knew what a, what a good sign he would be straight away. And he played in a friendly against Hensford. Uh, he was on trial at Wrexham. And uh, I remember saying to the gaffer, I said, we've got to sign him. Took, you know, get him, get him, got to get him now. Uh, and then we ended up signing him and he, he was just brilliant. He was just, he just, he was just so calm and collected. Uh, but very, I don't know. I think it's just you typified what we were about, really. And so you know, we 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 made it all the way. All those replays and the penalties and whatnot. You make it to a final. Now you know, understandably, at, at our level, finals few and far between. You don't get many of them. Either the playoff final or the FA Trophy we had a few years earlier. What was that like, just for you, your family, your friends? You know, you're going to play at Wembley. Um, and kind of talk us through the build-up to that game because we we were going there with all due respect as, as big favourites, which we weren't the last time we went there against Grimsby. Yeah, it was uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I thought the the build-up, the the way the football club looked after us and prepared us for the game was was fantastic. Uh, and then obviously, like when you walk out and you you see how many fans are there compared to their fans. It was just surreal. It was, honestly, it was just incredible. Uh, I, I don't know. I just remember the game and we started really well. Uh, we score early. Uh, Joe Clark does well, gets to the byline, pulls it back and I finish it with my left foot, I think. Mm. Uh, and I felt we were comfortable. So, so yeah. comfortable. Uh, you know, I don't think they could get near us. Like, And I think we go... Can we go two up, do we? Do we go Jay, Jay, Jay gets yeah. the second one, yeah, just on yeah. the hour. So an hour gone, we're two nil up. And, I, and I'm in the stand thinking... I was thinking three days. or four at the stage. I, I was thinking happy like, days. You know, this is it. This is another trophy yeah. in the bank. Yeah. So, I, you know, you must have been thinking similarly. You must have, well, not, you must have been thinking we're in total control of this game. Yeah. Well, two nil up, we were very comfortable, weren't we? We were so comfortable. Uh, and then I don't know what happens, really. You know, a lot's been said about it previously, hasn't it? About you know the Robbie Evans coming on for Keatsy and yeah, yeah, you know stuff like that. And 
you know, it's hard to put your finger on, you know, why it actually was. I don't think you could say it was that one thing. Uh, you know, there was, a, there was, you know, there was a number of things that went on. Uh, but did that seem odd? Did that seem odd on at the time on the pitch? Do you think Keatsy, you know, he's one of the ones that you'd rather have him stayed on, or yeah, I don't know. Was that something that you thought about on the pitch? Uh, at, the, at the minute of that, you know, of that game. I just thought we were that comfortable. It didn't matter, it didn't matter what we were going to do. Right. Uh, mm. You know, Keatsy was running things, to be fair, but whether the gaffer is thinking, you know, he's blowing up, his legs are getting heavy, you know, we need to get more legs in there. Uh, but, you know, it's hard when you're playing to see, you know, yeah. what other people are seeing. Uh, you know, looking back, I bet you Kev Wilkie thinks I should have left Keatsy on. And you yeah. know, and maybe pack the midfield more and put Robbie on and took a winger off or something. Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh, well, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's only by a full-time whistle that those decisions are questioned because at the, at the moment we probably weren't thinking of them so cynically. And another sort of bit of moment about day is the third the third goal you score, you salvage what was looking like a free two defeat in extra time. You score a great goal on the half volley just last minute of, of extra time to take us to penalties. And that made me feel once again, like, oh, of course we're not going to lose this because Louis come up trumps again. What was that goal like though? Because that celebration was pretty iconic as well. You, it looked like it meant a lot massively, to you. Massively, massively. Yeah, I'll be honest, that meant a great deal to me. Uh, I don't know, really. It, it felt, it just felt like I'd give my everything on my yeah. absolute get everything and I just let it all out in the celebration. Uh, I caught the ball so sweet. I mean, I couldn't have hit it any better. Uh, and when I just see it just whistling the, the roof of the net and then the noise, you know, behind the goal was just, that's that, that's a memory I will never, ever forget. It was, you know, because it's at Wembley as well. Yeah. It just felt like as soon as that goes in, that's it. We're going to win. Like, doesn't matter what's going to happen. We're going to win. It's meant to be. Uh, and then you know what what happens later on is just just heartbreaking, really. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say it. I've seen we've, we've we've both seen Rich a lot of players come and go, and and you know the nickname King Louis and, and all these other things, but. But it's it, uh, we can't. I, I put like I said, I put the message out. I can't get through an interview and not talk about that interview after the FA Trophy final. Um, I've seen a lot of interviews in my time, and the one particularly by Keatsy when he was gaffer away at Eastleigh, and, and you know these interviews, and you don't often see that real burning passion that you desperate to see as fans, especially when we're we're heartbroken trying to yeah. go home back to back to North Wales. Talk us through that. I mean, was that you know, you looked absolutely, I mean, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, you looked absolutely devastated and was it that just utter pure, utter devastation there? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I remember straight after the, also we lose on penalties and I remember straight after the game uh, doing like a little lap around the goal and, and I, I remember adrenaline at this point has got me, has it, absolutely got me. Uh, I think it's because I scored the goal you know, to get to make it three three, and I'm sort of on a massive high. We go to penalties, I score my penalties, but then we lose on penalties, and then I'm on a massive low. But my adrenaline is sky high. And I remember just going around to every corner of the behind the goal and shouting, "Stick with us, stick with us." And I remember pointing to myself, saying, "Stick with us." 
because I firmly believed that that would make us stronger for the season after and we would go and get automatic promotion. That was instantly in my head. And that's why I walked around and I was pointing to myself saying, and us saying, stick with us. And I remember doing it all the way around until I got down the tunnel, basically. And then obviously the it devastated and you, I often know, you know, I'm going to get an interview, but I don't know what to say. Like I'm, I'm in the showers and I'm thinking, what do I say? How can I put that into words? And I, like, even with the interview, I haven't got a clue what I was going to say until my heart, my heart and everything, passion just, just came out. Uh, and I remember, you know, a few of my, uh, my mates and what have you saying, like, what were you doing? Like, like that's embarrassing. I was like, I'm not embarrassed by that. Like, that's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I play on the edge. I play with passion. And I'm very passionate about Wrexham Football Club and still am. Uh, I felt that moment. I didn't know what that moment was going to do, by the way. I didn't do it for that. I didn't. That was just me. Mm. That was just raw emotion coming out of me. Uh, but that, I think that, that, that moment there is probably why I'm popular with the, with the fans, as well as obviously mm. the goals and my, my, my performances. Uh, You're saying that, you know, stick, stick with us, stick by us. Was there a sense, though, that Kev Wilkins reached the end of the road there? Did, and, and did you also, to, to throw it forward into the move away, did you really believe that you would be staying at the club? Or, or did you think, you know what, I've had a great season here. I, I'm going to have interest. You know, was, was there any kind of conversation? Or at that moment, going into that game, you thought, I'm going to be here again. We'll, we'll go back, we'll do, rewind it, do it again. And then maybe Kev will still be here to give it round two. Well, if you remember, I actually signed a, a new deal. Oh, a a one-year deal, yeah. Uh, so my head was not getting turned. I was staying. I didn't, I didn't, I was like, no, it wasn't even my head. It wasn't even my head. I was getting Rex and promoted. I was going to try my utmost best to get Rex and promoted. That was, that's all I was thinking about. Um, and I, when the move came about, it was, it was tricky. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, probably 48 hours and I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Obviously, we've missed out in between that, the gaffer going and, you know, stuff like that and a new manager coming in. Uh, but ultimately, I was, it was a hard decision for me to leave Wrexham. I yeah, spoke yeah, about the, sorry, but no, about the manager going. What Before we get on to, you know, your, your exit from the club, which, which comes... You speak about Wilkin post match after the FA Trophy. What was he like? Did was he absolutely heartbroken and devastated? Did, did was there a sense of he was going to be leaving imminently, or did did the players still believe that he was the man who could get that group back together and re regain that sort of energy? I think it was split. If I'm honest, it was split. I think uh, the younger lads and the boys he brought in wanted him to stay, and I think the other boys possibly wanted him to go. You know, and that's my honest opinion. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's vital to that opinion. Uh, I think he had an inkling that he was going to go. He didn't say anything. He was heartbroken. And even when I speak to him, 
now he is heartbroken of how it went. Like he loved Wrexham massively and still does. I know that for a fact. Uh, but I think the writing was on the door because the, ultimately we weren't consistent enough in the league and we'd lost and we lost in the final where we shouldn't have lost. So, uh, so Gary Mills comes in, you know, a great pedigree. And, and we were kind of saying after Kev Wilkin, we want a manager who's just tried and tested, done it at this level. Yeah. You get us up. Was there a, I got the sense at the time that the Mills wanted the money to reinvest more than maybe he wanted you. Is that is that unfair? Or was there any kind of conversation about him moving you on? Or was that maybe your choice more so than the club? First and foremost, I was excited for Gary Mills to come in. Uh, because I, like we spoke about earlier with Gateshead, I hate to play against his teams because they played fantastic football and they created a lot of chances for strikers. So I was thinking, this, this could be good for me, this. Uh, as it unfolded, didn't speak to him that often. It was off-season anyway, but there wasn't much conversation uh, going on. And then I didn't have any, any other interest, by the way. There was nothing. My agent spoke to me uh, just, just like as, as soon as we finished the season and said, I've got a slight interest from up in Scotland. Uh, would you be open to it? I said, well, you know, like, I'm not saying no, I'm not saying yes. Like, let's see, let's see what happens kind of thing. Uh, as it was, I went on holiday, turned my phone off, put my phone back on when I landed, and I've got stupid amounts of missed calls uh, from my agent saying, Muffle, I'll bid for you. Wrexham, I've rejected the first offer. Uh, but if Muffle can get to this amount, it's, it's getting accepted. I was like, what? What? What's what's going on here? Uh, so obviously that was happened very very fast because in my head I'm staying at Wrexham. I'm buzzing to work with Gary Mills and score loads of goals and get promoted. So how it unfolds is I go up to Motherwell because Re Wrexham have accepted the offer. Basically, I spoke to Barry Owen, <coughs> who was brilliant with me. By the way, I got a lot of respect for Barry Owen. Uh, I spoke to him. He said the board have accepted the offer because they think it's good money for you. And the manager wants to bring in more players, basically. So I went, all right, okay. There's like, I was, I was questioning it, like, thinking, like, I'm, I'm not forcing this. Uh, I said to Barry Horn at the time, I said, I don't know whether I want to go. Like, I'm enjoying playing for Wrexham. I live 45 minutes away, just had a baby. I'm enjoying it. Like, don't know whether I want to go. And he said to me, you'd be stupid not to. My agent said, you'd be stupid not to. Uh, as it unfolded, we went up to Scotland to have a look around. Uh, and we like, obviously negotiated and personal terms and stuff like that went up on the Friday and they want a decision by basically Sunday night. So you can imagine my head over the weekend at that time and me and my wife were talking and I was literally to and throwing every five seconds, to and throwing. And I remember my wife saying to me, we've 
we've got to take the opportunity. It's daunting. It's it's very far away. We've just had Isla, uh, but we've we've got to go for it. Uh, and then obviously I spoke to Barry at the, at, at the same time, and he said the exact same thing. He said you'd be stupid to turn it down. It's a massive move for you. Uh, so basically, that made my mind up for me. Uh, who, who was the manager up there at the time? Stephen Robinson was it? Because I I spent a bit of time up there, and it is a really good club, Motherwell. I mean, well, you, don't, you don't you don't need me to. Stephen Robinson was the assistant manager, uh, right? And Ian Barraclough was the first manager. Ian Barraclough. I mean, you know, you don't need me to say you you became a huge fans favourite there, and you remained a fans favourite at Wrexham because, like Rich said, we, we haven't had many go on to kind of the upper the upper levels of you know. And you played Celtic. Someone actually sent me a message say. Did any Wrexham goals compared to the one against Celtic? Um, I don't know if you can light a candle to that against Celtic, but you know, kind of when you, I don't know, when you're looking back, is it, you know, Wrexham was a massive springboard for you. I'm sure you you can agree with that, but is it the fact it didn't end in any silverware, it didn't end in any promotion? Is there that kind of not resentment's the wrong word, but frustration still that it just didn't yeah. seem to pan out? Yeah, massively, yeah, massively so. Feel like unfinished, unfinished business to be honest. I do. Uh, the the final always plays on my mind when I when I when I think about the goals I've scored and uh, that that massively plays on my mind. And and not only that, Wrexham being in the conference, it just shouldn't happen. Uh, and you know, if I can, you know, I, what I always say is never say never. You know, for the future, you just never know, do you? you never know, but. I think everyone at Wrexham uh, knows how passionate I am for the football club. Uh, I didn't intentionally uh, let it out, but it came out of that interview. I think everyone saw that. Uh, and I think with my, uh, along with my performances, uh, I think they understood what it meant to me. Yeah, I know maybe you can't say in that respect what you're doing now, but has there ever been any any inkling, any opportunity for you ever to go back to Wrexham or was that just a pipe dream for the fans <laughs> that, it, that nothing's actually materialised yet? But like you said, anything could happen in the future. But Yeah, nothing, nothing's ever really uh, materialised. I think, uh, like I just said there, never say yeah. no the future. Uh, but, you know, I've had, a, I've had a little bit of bad luck with injuries these past couple of years, so... Yeah. If, if I'm honest, I'm thinking is put that behind me, put the injuries behind me, and get scoring again, and then I think everything else will take care of itself. To, yeah. to kind of wrap it up before before we get to some quick fire that that Rich will no doubt go for you with. Have you been keeping an eye on? on I mean, you must have been. You, you're really passionate about the club. This, I mean, it's just bonkers, isn't it? This whole documentary, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, all the players that they're now able to bring in. You know, Rex and when you were there, we really had to count every single penny in a way without sort of talk. and now we've, we're able to give players from League One three-year deals it's just the turnaround's unbelievable and I'm sure you could echo the sentiment that the supporters have earned this you know after yeah. 14 years massively yeah. disappointment yeah it's absolutely brilliant uh, to see it all going on you know I'm, like uh, I've, I've not lost contact with it ever since I left I'm always speaking to people from Wrexham and following them on Twitter, Instagram, and I'm always speaking to the fans and uh, I, I don't live too far away still now. So I'm always, uh, I've always got my eye on them and what's happening at, at the minute uh, with the new owners is like you say, I think Wrexham 
it just deserves it because what a fantastic football club. You know, we all know it shouldn't be in that league. We all know. So, you know, let's hope uh, it could get out of that league and uh, kick on. And I think, I think it will. I think, you know, it's only a matter of time. I firmly believe that. I think financially it's changed for the better. I think like we've just discussed there, what the, what the, I think what they were thinking when they sold me was they could probably bring in two, three players with, with the money, uh, which the manager at the time probably preferred to me, which, you know, again, football's a matter of opinion. Um, but, you know, hopefully they could do it this season. That would be, would be unbelievable. Yeah, that's what we've all got our fingers crossed for. And, you know, like I said, Louis, all the Wrexham supporters are, are backing you as well in your, in your recovery from injury as well. And all we want to see is you scoring goals as well, put you on that app as, you know, get us all back in your fantasy teams and stuff. And, you know, who knows? It could be a cup run. You could be back at the race course soon. And we want those hushed celebrations, hands in the air if you do, like, not be at the FA Cup, whatever. But just to wrap it up, I'll ask you a few quick fire questions. This is maybe not going to be too quick fire, but do you think we would have got promoted if you would have stayed that season? Mm. Potentially. Yeah. Depends who we would have bought in, but yeah, I thought we were going the right the right direction to get to a final. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of your goals at the club, I, I remember the Forest Green free kick. That was one of my favourites as well. What, what was your favourite Wrexham goal you scored? Ooh. I'd either... You know what? The, the dipping volley against Eastleigh away. I don't know whether you'll be able to get that. I don't remember this one, no. But it was quite similar to the Nuneaton goal. Yeah, uh, and ironically, I've gone on to score similar goals against Rangers and Celtic, where I kind of love the keeper with the inside of my foot. Uh, but them, them, it, can you remember the Nuneaton on it? The race? Yeah, I remember that one. Kind of technique. It was uh, very similar to that. Yeah, the trademark Louis Mark goal. Uh, teams, in terms of teammates, who do you think was your maybe most talented sort of individual Wrexham teammate that you had when I was there? Yeah. I think Jay Harris was a very, very good player. Yeah, good class one. The and I guess one of the other ones, your chant. Do you still have it singing around in your ears at the moment? Always believe in Louis Moll or <laughs> you know what? It went all the way to Scotland that then. Uh, that was very, very popular in Scotland. Uh, I was lucky because obviously the fan base at Wrexham was so good towards me. Uh, it kind of passed it on to the Motherwell fans, which were unbelievable with me and they carried that song on uh, which he got he got sang all the time and it was it was unreal brilliant who was who was the worst dresser in that dressing room because like you say you had kind of young and old and that's always what I ask these kind of random off-pitch questions Wes York was horrendous terrible horrendous terrible can't even uh, uh, help him out <laughs> no no advice to him no, no kind of sort him out no can't no, be helped don't think he was that bothered. Lost cause. No, he, he doesn't sound like Gareth Lang often. Yeah. And I guess uh, it, one kind of one one of the other ones, Rich, is is who who was the kind of tightest with money? Did you have any kind of <laughs> did you have a fine system or not? Was that not really what, what you did in that group? You didn't. That's pretty good yeah. if you didn't, because usually they can be quite aggressive, those fine systems. Yeah, I know, sorts. I know. That's what I mean. I can't remember us having a fine system, and I can't remember us having many nights out. So I couldn't tell you. Oh, no. no, that's no. so that's changed now. Uh, Lou, my last question, which I you know, we're football fans, we like to know this as well as little nerds. Do you have any of your memorabilia from your Wrexham era still? Do you still have shirts and stuff that you keep hold of, that you cherish? Yes, I've got the that shirt, what you've got. Um, what I like to wear. I've got that. Uh, so, 
well, I'm going to get it framed actually. Um, Definitely. So I want Lovely. that one framed, and then I think I've got one of the green ones as well. No, oh, that's my favourite ever. Yeah. That's Richard's favourite ever kit. I, I just nothing lights a candle to the, to that home Dennis the Menace kit. They've got yeah. the green. And, and I, I guess I, I guess Louis and Rich to, to wrap it up. Like you say, you're still a huge favourite of the supporters, and you've you've been you know away for for a while now. Have you got a message to the fans to sort of just sort of say uh, thanks or anything like that, or anything you'd want yeah, them to just, know? First, I think the main message I could probably say is thank you for first of all supporting me when I was your player, but then after that, not many fans of football clubs carry on supporting the player. And uh, I've been lucky, really, because Wrexham have done it uh, massively and they've followed my career all the way through and always wishing me well, always, you know, just always there for me. And I was lucky because they passed it on to Motherwell. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it just means a great deal to me. Uh, and, yeah, so massive thank you, basically. Yeah, like I said, the, the main thank you is to you, Louis, because there's a reason all these fans love you and adore you. And it's because you do, you know, you know what it means to play for those clubs and to wear the wear the shirt with pride. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us today, Louis, as well. Thank you for all your time. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order Muck Delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.